0: what um what differentiates between, like, can you tell early if somebody's going to win or not? Does that make sense?
1: For the most part I can, you okay. know, because a lot of it deals with, you know, a, what's their motivation, mm-hmm. you know, are they the primary breadwinner in the house or not? Yeah. Do they have kids or not? How long have they had their last job? Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. You know, and, and how many people do they know? Okay. And that's really a lot of it. And are they willing to get out there and work? Yeah.
0: Welcome to Agent Success Podcast. If you're a real estate agent looking to succeed in today's crazy market, well, you're in the right place. Each week, we talk with successful real estate agents willing to share their expert insights, trade secrets, and mindset that help them to succeed. There's no fluff, just straight to the point content that prioritizes one thing above all your success. So without further ado, let's cut to the chase. Welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, where we talk about all things real estate, real estate success. How do you achieve success in real estate? And we interview and talk to the most successful agents in our town here in Colorado Springs. Today, I have a very special guest with me. I have Daryl Wass at REMAX Advantage. How are you doing, Daryl?
1: Doing fantastic. Thank you.
0: Great. Uh, now, Daryl, you started in 1999. You, I mean, that's, that's, you know, for... Most people, that's that's a good amount of years, right? Uh,
1: uh, I, I tell everybody I started last millennium. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> then they know I'm I started way. in the
0: last century. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I barely missed that. I missed it, but you got me by a couple of years. Had I started a couple of years early, I would love that line. I wish I could take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. last last century. I like that. No millennium. Last millennium. That, that's, even better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, just a couple quick things. Um, is you you're currently manage seven different people on your team. You were 2000 Rookie of the Year, which would have been, obviously, your, your, rookie, your rookie season. You've uh, 2017 Realtor of the Year. You've had three terms as MLS president. You've been the board president. Uh, I, I'm getting exhausted just thinking of all the volunteer hours that have, that have taken. How do you have time to do real estate? <laughs> Holy cow. That's a, that's a lot. I work better when I'm busy. Ah, If okay. I don't
1: have stuff to do, I don't get crap done. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I work a lot better if I'm... So there was,
0: there's an interesting quote that uh, that I like to kind of claim as my own, but it's not. I learned it many years ago. And a guy said that uh, a problem or task will expand to the size of the time allotted to it. I like that. So it, you're busy. You're like, yeah. I have... 13 minutes to make this decision. I have, you know, an hour and a half to complete this as opposed to think about this for a while, because mm-hmm. then that can grow into days, the weeks. So how much time are you willing to allot that? And that's the size it'll grow into. Uh, now, Daryl, a couple things uh, we're going to go through. I'm going to ask a couple specific questions that are going to help other real estate agents succeed. And I'd like to bit, know a little bit more about you and kind of what's behind what you do, why you do it kind of success. So we're going to kind of just Pack a lot in. You cool with that? Sounds great. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Uh, first thing is, uh, you became a real estate agent in nineteen ninety nine. What did you do before that? Like, like what what was life like before becoming a real estate agent? So I was actually a store manager for Woodley's Fine Furniture. Oh, over off of a cat as
1: Academy. Yep. Yeah, by yeah. Palmer Park. So I started working for them when I was in high school. Oh wow. And then in the factory in Longmont, building the furniture. Oh, wow. And then uh, went into sales and then sales management at the age of 19. Holy so cow. So I've been hiring and firing since I was 19. <laughs> You're not new to it. So,
0: And the funny thing about uh, uh, you know furniture sales is, it, to me, you have to learn how to be a salesperson. Because people don't just generally walk in and be like, oh, yeah, do you have any $2,000 uh, hutches I can look at? It's a, it's, a, it's a process. And it's a lot of follow-up. Do you think that contributed to does that help you in real estate? Or did that help you in the early days of real estate? Oh, absolutely.
1: Because you had to really the thing I didn't like about the furniture business is if somebody didn't like what you had in the store, you were out of luck. <laughs> but with real estate, yeah, you don't like this house, we'll go look at another house. Yeah. You, you don't, don't like, like a split house, level?
0: I got a rancher. <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah. go look at new builds. You don't yeah. like
1: new builds, we'll find a lot and build you one. Yeah you know. So yeah. I like the fact that I could sell anything and everything, but yeah, definitely yeah. had to hone in your your sales skills working
0: in a retail So did you guys, in that environment, did you, was it, uh, it was obviously com- commission-based, I would assume. Oh, yeah. Okay, so uh, it, it, being commission-based, you're 19 years old. Um, did you have a manager that taught you how to sell, or did they just give you a clipboard and say, go get them? Pretty
1: much a clipboard and go get them. So mm. a lot of my stuff that I did was my own Training and reading books and whatnot on sales. Like uh did a lot of Tom Hopkins.
0: Oh yeah, stuff yeah. back in the day. And this is uh, back when you were like nineteen, twenty years mm-hmm. old. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I, I kind of got uh, fascinated with. Say, I wanted to be. I decided at one point I was going to be the world's best salesperson. Right. This is like I was probably like twenty-two or twenty-three, which is weird because it didn't. It, it, like before that, I didn't necessarily want. Like I didn't know I wanted that. Right. But it, it's a self-identification where you're like hold on a second, like this is, I'm actually enjoying it, I enjoy helping people, I'm not horrible at it, but there's a real skill set here. And it's not just a matter of convincing people, it's a matter of understanding where you're at in the process. It's a matter of understanding uh, why my follow-up is so important, what I need to say on the follow-up, how do I add value. So it's interesting that you did that at an early age. A lot of people, um, I always find it interesting when somebody finds some sort of passion or direction at that early age. Can be, it, can be, it can be difficult because usually, I mean, figure you're 20 years old, what do you want to do? Most kids are going to college, um, asking mom and dad for some money for Taco Bell and going on dates. And you're out working for commission. Yeah. Hustling.
1: Yeah. Well, I realized when I was in the factory, when the hot summers and there's the stain and the wood dust <laughs> uh, and yeah. everything, it's like, yeah, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. So what can I do next? So they opened up their first retail store yeah. and I talked myself into a job. <laughs> there. And then it's like look, the I rest. know I'm
0: covered in stain and sawdust right now, but I really think I could sell this stuff. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, and I, I guess who else are you going to ask to sell it than somebody who actually knows like, hey, look, let me tell you about this this. I, I actually know how this works because I cut the wood on this. I know how this yep, works. Right? Exactly. Oh, that's fantastic. So, um jumping forward, you get into real estate in 1999. And what I've realized in business and in real estate is is there's an evolution that most successful people go through. Um, what I mean is when you very first start you have these grandiose ideas and plans, right? And that generally changes. Not that not that it has to it still can't be grand and amazing, but it has changed. So what how have your how have your goals changed from when you very first started the first few years in real estate to the goals that you have now now that you're seasoned and see you've built a career in real estate. And I, I always tell people, you have a job or you have a career in real estate. Yeah. A job is you don't go to work for eight hours, and then you you worry and you wonder why it doesn't work after three or four years. And you have a career; you've been doing it for twenty five years, and it, 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 it's working, right? So, what what goals have been different from when you first came into where you're at now? Well, when I first came in, I,
1: I left a good job, so my first thing was failure's not an option. All right. And so, were you
0: married was, at the time? Or you were you single? Yeah, I was married at the time. At, when you did you have any children? Uh, Couple step kids. Yeah. Okay. So you you had a family you had to provide for. Yes. Okay. So going into real estate, I'm married. Hey, honey, I'm making X Y Z amount of money over at the other job. I'm thinking I'm gonna go quit and get into this. Yeah. Okay.
1: Wow. Yeah. So first couple of years, I mean, it was realizing that I was going to open a business. Mm-hmm. It was going to have to be nose to the grindstone for a couple of years until my phone started to ring. You know, yeah. I did a lot of door knocking, a lot of just whatever I could to build my business. Yeah. And so the goals really changed from, you know, just getting a pattern, building the business to uh, starting a team and going with the team concept and trying to replicate myself. And then Mm -hmm. really just, you know, investments and, you know, and helping people. And if you take good care of people, then they'll come back and they'll refer their friends. So, I mean, by the time I was hit 2003, pretty much all my business was repeat and referral, which was my goal from the beginning.
0: that was a very short period of time. How many hours does it it, So it actually leads into the next question that I have is, you know, we see the success. We see, we see the success of Daryl and the, and all the achievements, but there are, there's a lot of struggle that goes behind success. You know, Kobe didn't become excellent at basketball because he just decided to right a lot of practice, a lot of dribbling, a lot of shooting, a lot of failures. Um, What was, what was, I guess, what was some of the, the, hardest parts of that? Like, where did you hit difficulties at any point? Well, the first one was 9-11. Oh, so you were in for two years at that point.
1: Yeah. So just about two years, 9-11 hit. Everything shut down. Yeah. So I would worked my way up the price scale. Yeah. You know, started low because you know, when you first start, all you're doing is low-end buyers. And yeah. you slowly work your way up. Finally worked my way up into some more luxury properties. Yeah. 9-11 hits, everything stops. And then the upper-end market stopped even longer. Oh yeah. So yeah. I read the book uh, "Who Moved My Cheese?" Yep, and went and found where the cheese was, which was back down in the, you know, the stuff where people are selling <laughs> and buying in the yeah. military, you know, sellers and buyers. So went right, went right back there. You went to where
0: it was. Mm-hmm. You didn't you didn't look at it and say, uh, why isn't it here? But, yeah, and yeah. I
1: never wanted to be the agent that said, oh yeah, we we didn't think you did homes in that price range, right? You know, where people think. You know, an you know and I know some
0: agents do d- do that, right? They get they're like, well, no, I'll refer you to I don't I don't I don't list anything under four thousand. I'll refer you to somebody. Mm-hmm. And you you're saying you wanted to be the agent. It was like, I'm your guy. Call me. And yeah,
1: yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people, you do the parents' house, then the kids want to buy something. Yeah. So if you think you're you know if you come across as too snooty and you know they don't want to work you don't want to work with their like, kids. Well, Daryl
0: helped us buy our million dollar house. Why don't you go call whoever's on floor time at Remax and. That that'll be your agent, right? Because yeah. Daryl's up here. And that yeah. that's interesting because a lot of agents, it's been my experience anyway, that a lot of agents will um, they'll build something up in their mind of how they're supposed to act and how they're supposed to be. Right? <laughs> you laugh because of, you know, but, but in reality, yeah. you you just you a dude named Daryl that is kicks butt at real estate. Right? At the end of the day, you're making human connections. It's not. Oh shoot! I better act a certain way or or I have to put the word luxury in my in my title, you know, just yeah. so that way I can have a word that justifies me as opposed to my actions and my connections that are justifying me. Um so in in the challenges that you've had. So you went through, you know, 9/11 and know markets completely shut down, right? Like uh, uh I was married at the time and uh I had quit a job to get into real estate. So very similar, just a couple years later. And I decided, okay, things are really tight. I'm going to cash out my 401k from the previous successful job I had. That was fascinatingly poor timing. Like it, it was amazing because I started the process right before 9-11. And Ooh. so it takes a while, right, to cash yeah. it. You know, So I'm like a week or two. So I, I started and the markets just shut down, right? And I'm like, huh. Then they open back up, and you get whatever the v- market value of that day is. And so the market, I was like, son of a gun, I needed that money. That's the only reason I cashed that out, right? right yeah. uh, a very, very difficult time. What about during um, the 20, say, 8, nine, ten range with the recession? Did you did you struggle in that time frame, or how did you adjust your business?
1: Those were some of my best years. Yeah, it, was it, was like, interesting. it was June of 07, and everything ground to a halt. Yep. And it's like, okay, here's, here's the, here's our reality and all the foreclosures that we had and whatnot. So I got my CDPE certified distressed property expert certification, learned short sales, jumped into that arena. Cause even a lot of my own clients had gotten into trouble. They'd lost their jobs, medical issues. So it's like, okay, well here's. And
0: they're at a six, seven, 8% interest rate and their loan just went adjustable,
1: right? Loan one adjustable, or for a lot of them, they were just up flat out upside down. Yeah. Because people, I mean, you've seen it, they refinance yeah. their house like it's a credit card. Yeah. You know, and just spend like, it. Okay, hey, I it built up it. 20K. Let's go ahead and
0: get that. Kind of like me with my 401K back in early 2000, yeah, right? exactly. Not the best idea. I should have just let that thing sit. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Of course, it was my problem that they didn't have any equity in their house. Yeah. So
0: now you're dealing with REOs, short sale, foreclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the, so it, it's interesting because at that point, Point in time, I was doing mortgages at the time, and what I noticed was even when even when you had a qualified buyer, and there was plenty of houses for sale, there was houses everywhere. Yeah. But the weird thing to me was the banks. Now um, we were dealing with countrywide at the time, so you know that, that yeah. we didn't realize that it was super shady at the time. At the time, it was like, oh, it's the biggest lender in the country; it's all good. Right. So we're dealing with them, and all of a sudden, they're not buying the notes anymore. And then they're not approving things they should be approving. And then what you know later you find out they're you know they're upside down and they don't really have the money. And uh, but but at the time you're like, well hold on a second, I got a really cool, and their, their underwriting got super super stingy. And you're just like, holy cow, there's tons of houses. I finally have a buyer. I've been struggling to find a buyer, right? See, in real estate you can go sell. I mortgages I can't go sell. <laughs> like I deal with buyers, right? So. And nobody's refinancing in that situation. So I'm dealing with buyers. I got one. And then it's not going anywhere. And so when I started looking at who is winning and who is succeeding in the recession, the one area of for real estate agents that I realized was consistent. People who really crushed it hit short sales, foreclosed homes, stuff like that. Like that, that, that REO world, that became their new... Like you said, who moved my cheese, right? Like yeah. I went from luxury to first-time buyer, all of a sudden, I'm your REO guy. I know all about it.
1: Yeah, you just had to educate yourself and you yeah. know, go with what was selling and what was doing. But I mean, there's plenty of business. That's the nice thing about our town being so transient. There's plenty yeah. of people always moving in and out. Yeah, it isn't like this big factory closed and everybody's moving out of town. We it's like ah, oh, the Michelin factory closed.
0: Everyone's yeah vacating over to Columbus or something. Yeah. yeah, there's plenty of business in this town. Yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting thought because I don't I say I I, I mirror that I I. I believe that there's a ton of business. Um, but I don't hear that from a lot of agents. I hear oh man, Tim, with the rates the way they are, how are we, you know, how's the guy supposed to get anything done? I'm like, well dude, I don't know, but here's what I do know. There was like 2,500 sides last month, right? That That's a lot of business, right? Yep. So, I mean, some people got a lot more of it, but, but, you know, but that's a lot of business. And what I what, like kind of like in mortgages, what I say is uh, if I don't have business right now, then somebody outworked me, out hustled me, out thought me 90 days ago, 120 days ago, something like that in, in mortgages, right? So you look at that and you're like, that guy, how? What? He worked harder than me? What? Then you grab the mirror and you look at it and you're like, hello. Cause of all my problems, let's let's yeah. get down to business and start start working, right? So that leads me to to a question here that you've, how many people do you think you've managed over the course of, you know, this last 20, 25 years? A mm, few hundred? A few hundred. You've seen every flavor then. Oh yeah, because I, I, I get to see
1: that many agents' problems. <laughs> you know, so. And reasons. And reasons
0: and, yeah. Yeah, and whatnot, yeah. What would you say the difference between, let's say you have a, it doesn't matter if it's a new or a struggling agent. Somebody somebody needs to be coached, right? Because mm-hmm. if they're already crushing it, then they're not calling Daryl. They're focused on crushing it. So they're underneath you. They're working. They're not having as much success as they want, or they're a new agent. What um, what differentiates? between Like, can you tell early if somebody's going to win or not? Does that make sense?
1: For the most part, I can, you okay. know, because a lot of it deals with, you know, a what's their motivation? Mm-hmm. You know, are they the primary breadwinner in the house or not? Yeah. Do they have kids or not? How long have they had their last job? Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. You know, and and how many people do they know? Okay. And that's really a lot of it. And are they willing to get out there and work? You mm-hmm. know, because it's, you know, my very first interview was with uh, Gary Barris at Remax Properties in nineteen ninety nine, and he had a list of questions for me. Yeah. And he he, he said, okay, so uh, what are you going to be selling? And I am like myself. He goes, okay. Puts his notebook down. You know, once somebody realizes, like you're not selling real estate. Interesting. You're selling yourself. That's the only commodity. We don't have a storefront. Yeah. We don't hold inventory. The only thing you're selling is yourself.
0: The, so only, invento- the only inventory is, there, is, is that person, right? Their house that they're selling. Yeah. That inventory is available to whoever they're going to sign with. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah.
1: So the only thing you're selling is yourself. But in terms of seeing who's going to do well, it's like who's willing to really grind it for the first couple of years. Cause I tell people, you're gonna door knock, you're gonna do open houses, you're gonna do mailers, you're gonna do pop buys, you're gonna do mm-hmm. social media, you're gonna do whatever you need to do those first couple of years. Because even your friends and relatives yeah. won't necessarily use you the first couple of years. <laughs> they don't want to, because yeah, because they don't think you have <laughs> enough experience. Hey Tim,
0: I sure like you, but uh, Daryl's been doing this twenty-five years. You know, maybe you could yeah. just mirror him during the transaction or something. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. And I've cold listed stuff with people, but really, if they're really, if they realize a, they want it to be a career instead of a job. Yeah, yeah. And two, if they realize that they're actually starting a business, and you can't expect a business to be profitable. Yeah. Right out of the gate. I mean, I went six months before I had my first closing.
0: Was your wife freaking out? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Thank goodness for credit cards. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and w- and uh, once that first closing happened, did it, was it a, a, like a one hit wonder until for another six months or did it start to happen after that?
1: It's like taking the lid off the basketball
0: hoop. Uh-huh. You know,
1: when you're shooting bricks for a while. Yeah, yeah. No, I ended up with 22 transactions from April till the end of the year. And that's why I was rookie of the year that year. Wow. So it pretty much just launched from there and yeah. just, you know, just kept going because it's a pipeline. You just yeah, got to yeah. keep going. It's a, you know, it's like everybody I talked to wasn't ready for three to six months. Yeah. But then you keep talking to the people that aren't ready for three to six months and then they all. So how,
0: So how does that work then for a new agent coming in? um, you, you know, you, you, build this pipeline. How many hours a day did you work then versus now? Has it been the same? Like how much time are you putting in? Um, I always told people if you're willing to
1: work even two to three hours a day mm-hmm. prospecting, okay. You know, if you, if you spend two to three hours a day on money-making activities, okay. Then the rest of it's going to happen for itself. Cause yeah, you don't have to work. 60 hours. Right, right. You know.
0: So two to three hours. Now, I, I find it interesting that you said two to three hours of prospecting. You didn't say two to three hours of showing houses. You didn't say two to three hours of writing contracts, two to three hours of researching MLS, two to three hours per day of prospecting. Yes. And that's interesting because as a sales... as a, and, and I talk to a lot of other salespeople and real estate agents, and some people say, I'm not a salesperson. Well, you're, in my mind, you're absolutely 100% a salesperson. But the one thing that you that is getting the deal that's the one thing right like everything else is is an arm of it so if you get a buyer now all of a sudden you have a contract to write now all of a sudden you have a house to go see right like all these other activities stem from getting that one person so what i guess what activity do you tell a new real estate agent what activity like if I was going to design your two or three hours a day of prospecting, how would I make that look? I would give them a list. Cause I mean, there's so many different things you can do in this
1: business, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, here's 15 different ways you can prospect, pick the three you're actually going to do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, it's like, Hey, are you going to go see your, are you going to go see your friends and have coffee with them? Nope. Okay. Then are, are you going to call them? Are you going to email them? You know, what different things are you going to do you yeah. know, in terms of that activity? And, the, the, you know, for me, a huge part of my success was I had a really good team when I started. You, so were, you were on a
0: team? No. Oh, you so, built a team?
1: So, no, it, it was my lender. So, okay. a good lender like you. Yeah. A good title person mm-hmm. and a good home inspector.
0: Oh, so okay. So, that kind of team. Yeah. Okay. So,
1: that way, because there were so many other new agents at the time I joined, and they're just micromanaging the whole thing and yeah, yeah, nobody yeah. that they were working with was any good it's like well, i'm going to work with good people yeah. so i can hand that off to yeah. them let yep. them do their part of the transaction so you, fr- you freed yourself up oh yeah cuz that gave me time to not be so cuz everybody rides a roller coaster oh i have a deal yeah. and then oh wait the deal's done now i don't have any business like oh okay you know and, yeah. and the roller coaster sucks yeah. in, in real estate <laughs> i mean it just does yeah so you know
0: to just have to smooth that out so wi- with with uh, with a team um, I see a lot of, and I don't know if you could speak to this, but I see a lot of new agents that uh, when they come in, they they want to be the expert in everything real estate, right? And I don't mean selling and buying a house. I mean title, homeowners insurance, inspection, appraisal, lending. Like all of a sudden they, like you come to me for everything, right? Oh, oh wait, that appraiser said what? Don't worry, I'm going to give them a call. And they're and they, they, you know, they just like, they want to be like, like the person, yeah, yeah. You, you know, how does that,
1: it doesn't sound like you do that. I used to, in the beginning, I used to try to keep track of rates and loans and this yeah. and that. And it was like, yeah, this is brain damage. I mean, yeah. Kudos to what you do. Cause I could not
0: do it. Well, I don't have to do what you do. So I only got one thing I got to do. <laughs> yeah. But I would just yeah. say, Hey,
1: here, here's, you know, here's somebody you can talk yeah. to about that stuff. Cause yeah. Trying to s- stay up with the minutia of all aspects of the industry. You know, yes. it's like work on the stuff that you're going to do. It's like hey, get to know the new builds. Go yeah. visit all the new build models, yeah. and get to know all that inventory. Because if you got time, go meet those people. Yeah, you know, because then when you have a buyer that maybe comes in unannounced, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you're going to still be a part of that deal because they already know you.
0: You're the you're the second person in probably the last two weeks that have mentioned to me. Uh, second person that I respect, I should say, uh, I talk to a lot of real estate agents, but there are certain real estate agents that I, I see success and I see the hard work. It's not a flash in the pan, right? So you know, the second one I've spoke to in the last two weeks that had mentioned the activities for a new agent, right? like just, just the pure activities. You spend several hours a day doing your activities. And, and it was also mentioned, hey, go visit every new, learn every new build, learn every area. Go see, go, go preview houses, learn who the sales staff is at the new builds, learn, uh-huh. you know, sit open houses, do everything you can, like every day. Are you busy doing, are you learning, are you prospecting? Um, so you say, do the two or three things that you would do. What does, now, now do, does your team right now, cause you have a team now, Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So does that team that you have now, do they, do they do a lot of that for you or is it a team? Cause I see a lot of different team structures. Do they. Um, do they kind of run their own show their own way and they get leads from you or as you guys a collective team you have a listing agent a buying agent a you know a tc like how how is your team structured so i'm the team
1: lead we've got five other licensed selling agents okay and then our tc is actually also licensed as well okay So, so if we're in a pinch and some you know we she need could contract jump contract written in. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. She can okay. legally do that because yeah. we know all the assistants and <laughs> that uh, write all <laughs> kinds of contracts that never get
0: reviewed by their brokers. Uh, if We see them come over and we, as gently as possible we say, oh, you can't add personal property. You might want to talk to your managing broker. Yeah. yeah, but so it's
1: myself. So each agent on my team mm-hmm. has their own sphere. So okay. you know, a, a lot of team leaders kind of, grab everybody else's sphere and hold some hostage. Yeah. Yep. So for me it's like I want everybody to have their own success and so they work their own spheres. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the team leads that come in as far as that goes and then I've got a Google phone line set up. Okay. So when a lead comes in, it rings to five people. Okay? So yeah. somebody's going to be able to pick up that phone and hmm. run with it. And then, so we have our, you know, they have the splits on the stuff that they do themselves from their own sphere, the splits they have with the team, you know, so oh, between okay. the two of so them. So they can,
0: they can win in two different ways there. Oh, absolutely. Now, do you, do you worry, uh, because I see this a lot in real estate agents, do you personally worry um, by letting them have their own sphere, right? Because that's what we do, in, uh, like, on in our company at, at 719 Lending. Everybody, they build their own business, but we have kind of a collective way of making sure things are done right to where you don't have a big negative impact on me. It's only positive impacts with each other. Right. Right. Do you worry ever about, um, and like, as you're letting people get your leads and everything, do you worry about them up and leaving you and going and starting their own thing? It's not a concern to you. No, Because if
1: if they do, if somebody's not a good fit, if Mm -hmm. I'm not a good fit for them or they're not a good fit for me, that's okay. Okay. You know, I'm not going to make everybody happy. And really, I mean, I'm not going to grab their sphere and all of a sudden start selling them stuff. Yeah. any More than they're going to take my sphere and do the same.
0: Okay. You know. So, as long as you're doing your sphere right, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So. Okay. So, uh, um, with that, it, you coach your team. You coach them up. You train your team. You let them have their own sphere. It's a lot of, a lot of freedom, a lot of possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. Um and maybe you don't want to get too personal on this, but do you have a lot of turnover or do you see in that same structure a lot of turnover in, because I see it all the time. Hey, we added Bob to our team a month later. Well, Bob uh, decided that he wants to go work at ABC company.
1: I don't, I think because I don't have handcuffs, gold handcuffs on it. you know, that they're actually more willing to stay, you know, and if they buy into what we're doing and they're a good fit, Mm-hmm. then, you know, I, I try to make it where it's attractive for them long-term as well. It's yeah. like, hey, I'm providing value to you. You're providing revenue to the team, but you're getting at least that much, if not more, in value back to them.
0: Well, and that's interesting because when somebody, uh, uh, you know, I always say we have, th- we have three clients at my office. We have the person buying the house, which is, or, you know, th- that's obviously the client. But then I also have um, the real estate partner or whoever the referral partner is, they are my client. They have to have an equally good experience and we have to add an equal amount of value to them to make them want to keep working with us. And then also my loan officer who works for me and doesn't have to work for me. You know, they, can, they can go work wherever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, that is also my client. So I have to deliver value and, and a good experience to all three levels within that. And it's interesting that you said basically the same thing. Like, am I adding enough value to this real estate agent? I'd say you have a fourth client. Which is? Listing broker, oh yeah, there you if go. You're
1: not doing a good job for the listing broker, yeah. Then maybe next time, yeah, your lender letter shows up on an offer. <laughs> maybe that's not the offer that gets accepted.
0: I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little, a little uh, insider secret. Uh, listing agents to me are about the f- my favorite person on most transactions. They are always grateful. I we always stay in contact with them. They're always grateful, and they're like, oh, wow, that CTC happened kind of fast. Hey, look, look, money's going to be there. Don't worry about it. They're like, wow, I never get this kind of – and I'm like, man, let everybody else keep doing a bad job. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing this. Right? Listing agents work out fantastic. So if you're a loan officer, don't listen to what I just said, right? If you're a <laughs> listing agent, you should expect that from your loan officer. I'm going to jump into a couple more things here really quickly. What is the number one mistake that new agents make?
1: working too hard for the sale instead of the client
0: mm, commission breath.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. When, once the dollar signs show up in somebody's eyes, it's over. You can kiss mm. any repeat business. Goodbye. You can kiss referral business. Goodbye. Interesting. You know, some of my best referral sources are people that I told not to buy or sell. Really? I've never done a deal with them and they send me business. all day touch,
0: on touch on that for just a second. Um, I've heard this from a couple successful agents as well over time is, um, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, everybody, everybody, you know, when's the best time to buy a house? Right now. Go buy a house right now. Uh, and you know, talking before we started, you had mentioned um, that that's not always the case. Sometimes it's not the right thing or the best thing for someone to, uh, to buy a house. But at the end of the day, it's still their choice, right? So how do you, how do you gently handle that? How, how should an agent handle that? Can you accomplish their goals? I mean, I ask a lot of
1: questions before we start the process with a seller or a buyer. What are the goals? Mm. It's like, hey, yeah, I'm going to live here for a year and a half, and you're a buyer. Might not be a good time to buy. It may not make sense to buy, because back in a normal market, it took you a couple years to be in the house to to even break break even even. if you were going to sell
0: it. Well, you got a VA uh, buyer. You got a funding fee. You got got your agent fees when you turn around to sell, and then... 50% Fifty percent of the time, you're probably competing with a builder who may drop their price by ten grand, right? Yeah. So or raise it or buy it, you know whatever they're gonna do, but it, it makes it to where it's very d- and you're getting PCs in <laughs> eighteen months. Yeah, that's yeah. that's so it. Talk those
1: people out of things. I've had sellers I've talked out. They've tried to, you know, maybe solve a problem by selling their house and maybe trying to pay some things off and go somewhere mm. else. And it's like. You've got some equity here. You've got a really low house payment. You've got a low interest rate. Yeah. Why don't you maybe do some consolidation of your debts and things like that right. and go about it a little bit differently? Yeah, do and you I you talk to like, Hey, I'd love to sell you a house and make a commission, but I don't think that's the best thing for you. And then they look at you kind of cross-eyed and it's like, yeah. it's not. <laughs> know, it's like, it's, I'm sorry, but in my opinion, Don't you want to help me?
0: I'm trying to help you. Exactly. Don't yep. you want a commission? I would love a commission. In fact, I'd like you to pay me a commission to tell you not to buy a house. Exactly. But I'm trying to tell you the best thing to do here. A um, couple more, couple more quick uh, predefined questions here. Um, if you could be a loan officer for a week, I'm going to restate that. If you had to be a loan officer for a week, <laughs> what would you what would you do differently than what you see the norm happening? Boy,
1: well, a lot of it's out of the control. Be local, be good, yeah, be competitive. You know, okay. and, and, but really the communication I think is a big thing. You know, a lot yeah. of lenders don't communicate when I hear about a problem from the title person <laughs> and that happens all the time. It's a lender issue, <laughs> but I don't hear from the buyer's agent yeah. and I don't hear from the lender huh. and
0: I hear it from the title person. Yeah. Daryl, apparently we're not closing tomorrow. Oh uh, yeah, I've gotten those phone calls. <laughs> what are you talking about? We're not closing I've got, tomorrow.
1: I've gotten those phone calls. Yeah.
0: Where, where are you from
1: originally? I was born in Wisconsin, but okay. I've been in Colorado since I was fourteen.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, so. so I
1: lived in Longmont. My dad worked for IBM. So Okay. Yeah. Moved down here in
0: ninety-four. So when you when you started real estate, you had a you had a foundation already, or somewhat of a foundation. So you were here for the you years. Know, I five, was here five for five years, years, but yeah. I was
1: working fifty hours a week working retail, so I didn't have much of a life outside. So yeah. for me I didn't have a big sphere. It was go out and meet people and do what I needed to do.
0: Uh now this question's kind of interesting. Um, and I think this will, this will help a lot of other real estate agents understand that, you know, uh, you listen to self-help or you, you take a Tom Ferry class or a Buffini class or whatever it is not you need. And basically you see all the things that you're supposed to be doing. You know you're not doing them. You wish you did do them sometimes, you know, or you wish you were at least consistent. You did it for longer than 10 days in a row. What one thing are you not doing right now that you think that you know you should be doing? Or what, what are you maybe inconsistent on?
1: Well, the one thing for me is I have always been terrible about calling my clients.
0: Mm. Like, uh, like, uh, fe- like 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 feature- an actual phone call, okay. You know, yeah, actual yeah.
1: phone call to my past clients and whatnot. Gotcha. Yeah, but database. I've always known that. Yeah. So uh, my, you know, I have a postcard that I send out that they get every month. Yeah. With, yeah. You know, with something of value in it. Yeah. You know, so I run into clients like, oh, you probably don't remember me. It's like, yeah, I just sent you the two for one for elitches. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> yeah, you did. It's like, yeah. oh, I remember exactly Good. who you are and what house. You know, what I'm, I'm house just, you I'm got, just so. terrible.
0: I'm terrible yeah. at my my follow yeah. calls. So for me, yeah. It's have you have you ever thought and and I actually follow. Into the same boat, my fall And I think this is a a problem with a lot of good salespeople: is the uh, we're so good at uh, parts of the sale, but we almost devalue—like devalue might be the wrong word—but almost devalue that it's easier to get business from someone you already closed than to go out and hunt for new business. Right? Um, it's, It's it's difficult to go hunt for new business, but it's almost you get in that you get in that mode. Right? Have you ever thought about having somebody make the calls for you? I'm not
1: after a ton of new business because, Mm -hmm. I mean, really, since '04, almost all my business has been repeat and referral. Every year, probably 85 to 90. Well, I I guess I
0: mean, uh, have you thought about having somebody call your past clients for you a couple times a year? Yeah, no, no. Okay, I've heard, I've heard good and bad with that. I've, uh, I've had some people uh, say, absolutely not. I don't want some crazy accent, you know, and they don't even know anything about real estate and they're calling and it's just like a task. Yeah. Um, you know, that's really good if you're going to be doing like data entry, but not for building relationships. I agree.
1: Cause, cause I was even talking to an agent the other day. It's mm-hmm. like, Hey, so-and-so wants me to, you know, come interview at their brokerage, but they're too busy to call me, so they have some third party person call me. And it's oh, like, that's so if ridiculous. If they're too busy to call me, then I don't want to
0: talk to them, and I feel the same way. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to let somebody else call my clients. We we get we get the recruiting calls all the time. Uh, I mean, like always, right? Where it's like, hey, if you want it, how'd you like to come work at, You know, super mortgage. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and I I usually give them the appropriate time. You know, they get a couple calls a week. I say, well, how long have you worked there? Well, you know, we're, okay, so have you ever closed a loan there? She'd tell me lots of cool stuff. Well, no, you know, I'm actually hired to make these outbound calls. I can sit you up with a manager. Uh, Yeah, as soon as the manager is able to actually call me because they see the value, then I'll talk to them. I mean, I'm probably never, ever, ever going to change, but that, that, like, very few, I would say less than 1% of all the recruiting calls I ever got have come from the actual person that they need to be coming from. Yeah, which is interesting. So that would that would fall in line with calling your clients. I have heard success stories though of people calling um where they've had they've had an assistant and that assistant has called and had success. Hey, uh, you know, uh Daryl and I were just you know, checking in on you. I want to see how things are going. Uh I have heard success stories. I haven't personally tried it. I would like to try cuz I hate making those phone calls.
1: Yeah. Well, and the person who does the best job in town that I know of as far as following up with their clients on the phone yeah. is Brian Macker. Okay. I mean, he spends, he's got two hours at least time blocked a day to call his clients. And he's really? got like 4,000 of them and he calls them two to three times a year, every single one of
0: them. I guess two, I mean, two hours of call, like you said, two to three hours of prospecting, right? What can you actually accomplish in two to three hours of prospecting? And prospecting doesn't count of, it doesn't count to think about it, to, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, I'm getting ready to call. I mean, uh, just kind of thinking what I'm going to say. Just just go, dude. Get an auto dialer if you need to. Yeah. Just, right? Just, just get on and, and, and get cranking. Um, one or two more quick questions. I know we went over just a little bit here, but one or two more quick questions. If you were to go to a new city, Daryl knows nobody. Your wife just says, hey, Daryl, um, I'm done here. We're moving to. Wichita, right? And you're like, no, I've seen Wizard Oz. I do not want to go there. Yeah. Um, and you say, okay, look, I, I know it's for the best for whatever reason. You move there. How, like, what are the absolute necessity things that you do? How do you win in that town as quickly as possible in real estate? Well, I think do the new builds.
1: Mm-hmm. Ask permission for the new builds if you can advertise for them. Mm. Okay. Do do open houses for anybody you can do open houses, and then really join a lot of social things. You know, kay. go sign up at the Y to the gym and go to the gym every day and meet people and volunteer here and do different things like that. Just n- meet as many people as you can as quickly as you can and try to get them into your database, you know, so yeah. we can just soft touch them. And then you're, you know. are
0: do, do you do you use a CRM right now? Yes, I do. What do you mind? Tell us what you use. Real Realvolve. Realvolve. Okay, I haven't heard of real valve. Why? Why did you choose that one?
1: Um, it's got a, a lot of really good capabilities as far as notes and things like that. Mm. It really takes good
0: track of notes. Can can, can, can your whole team work on that together? Yeah, yeah. So okay. we
1: upload everybody's database into them. Into, okay. the, into the CRM. Yeah, and all theirs are tagged for them. Okay, you know in there so they can do their own follow up. and yeah, things yeah. like
0: that in there. Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Ready? Yep. What does Daryl do after working? Not 60 hours, but a good solid 40 hours. Um, what does he do to unwind? How, what do you do during the year? Do you take vacations? Do you, um, do you go rock climbing? Do you shoot guns? What, what do you do to unwind? Like it's, it's very important in this business. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge problem to myself as I don't give myself time to unwind. So I always like to find out from other successful people, what do you do to unwind and, 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 and how frequently do you do this? Well, I goof off a lot. Okay. As my <laughs> followers
1: on, on social media will know. The key for you is I yeah. mean, schedule it. Yeah. Put your downtime on your calendar. Okay. You know, and it's like, hey, I'm not available. I don't answer my phone after six o'clock. Yeah. So that's part of it. You know, it's like. We it's don't amazing
0: how nothing's <laughs> going to explode
1: after six o'clock. But we don't, we don't yeah. deliver babies. Yeah. We're not trauma surgeons. You There's know, no it, heart surgery going uh, on. Yeah, yeah, if somebody's basement's flooding, that's a different gig. Yeah. You know, but uh, really scheduling it out. So for me, skiing and golf. Skiing and golf. Okay. And travel.
0: Okay. Where yeah. do you like to ski?
1: Um, have my 20th annual boys ski weekend trip coming up to Crested Butte in oh, February. We used to
0: call it steep, deep, and cheap. Yep. So <laughs> yeah. we're doing that. Um, usually Crested Butte, Wolf Creek, or Breck. Okay. Wow. So you, you go outside of Breck, you kind of go off the beaten path a little bit. I follow the snow. I I, 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 I storm chase. You storm chase. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You're not on the the groomed Loveland runs, right? No. No.
1: (laughs) Then I like to travel. I mean, usually that's one thing I've always done. Every quarter is make sure I go somewhere every quarter. Oh, so every quarter. Every quarter. And even if it's just a long weekend, A, A, I've got something to look forward to and B, B, I've got a reset
0: for my mind. That's awesome. Can you give me some more insight on that? Because as anybody listening to this, they're either new and they're working their tails off or they're ex- they're an existing agent working their tails off and they're like, okay, how do I work my 40, 50 hours and, and recharge? So can you give me a quick insight? Like how how often is it a weekend away? How often is it a big trip? And how, how far in advance do you plan that? I plan
1: my next big trip as soon as I finished the one I was just on. So Hawaii that, was fun. I can't wait for
0: Greece. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, yeah. I Yeah. I just booked Cabo after we came back from Turks and Caicos. Um, but really it's just setting aside the time, putting mm. it on your calendar in advance. So you don't overbook it. If you're married, yeah. have date night every week, mm. just make that stuff happen. Okay. You just put it on there. But yeah, I'm huge on balance. I always have been because you can get so burned out and your, your yep. skills go downhill. Your effectiveness is going to go downhill. Yeah and we've all heard in this business, right? If business sucks, go on vacation. Yeah. (laughs) That's when everything
0: comes out of the woodwork and you get slammed. Yeah. You know, I was watching an Elon Musk interview. Um, I think it was BBC. No, it wasn't BBC. Who was it? There there was some, some news outlet was interviewing him uh, a couple months ago and they're asking about his work schedule. He's like, yeah, I work a lot. And how often do you sleep? He's like, I work, I, I sleep six hours a night. That's just what my body, you know, does. And, uh, I said, well, geez, if you're only sleeping six hours, why stop there? Why not only sleep five or four? He said, well, I tried that a couple of years ago. He's like my, my effectiveness and my my it went down exponentially. He's like I have to have that amount, and if I get a good solid of that amount, and I and then I then I'm efficient and I'm effective. So the same thing going on vacation. Um, you you went to Turks and Caicos. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I have a I have a treadmill in my basement. It's uh, what do they call it? It's not. Like an eye, eye fit maybe or no I can't remember what it is but anyway they they it like has a video screen on it you know and it and it has these whole walking and running and hiking series they have a whole Turks and Caicos series on there, oh, there you go. so I feel like I've been there actually I've 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 walked many of the streets and beaches <laughs> around there in fact I didn't even know where it was till about a year ago and uh, I was like Turks and Caicos that's these people's names what is this and I realized oh it's a set of islands down there yeah it's a set uh. Uh, in uh, what I what, what, uh, it's off by Cuba kind of
1: ish. It's yeah, Cuba and Puerto Rico ish, south okay. of the, south of the Bahamas. But okay. It's closer to
0: how, Cuba. When were you there? Uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, oh, you just mm-hmm. got back, mm-hmm. and you already have your next one planned. Oh yeah. Okay, so how <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> how, how um, when is that next one? Like, how, how far is it? Six months? Is it a year? Like, how how far do you usually push it? <laughs> it's it's next quarter. <laughs> O- August. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next quarter. Yeah. Okay, so then you say sometimes you go away for a weekend, and other times it's a big one.
1: Right? Yeah. So like okay. coming up the end of this month, I'm just three nights until you're right.
0: Okay. Yeah. You know, just skiing away.
1: Just hanging out. Just hanging out. Yeah. Just checking out the wildflowers and
0: yeah. yeah. So we'll be there two weeks from now. Sweet. Yeah. That's awesome, man. It's great that you have balance. Um. It's great that you have found a way to make this a career and not just a rough and tumble job where you're burnt out and you got to drink away your worries at the end of each day. Instead, you're like, Hey, let's, cause we've seen it. It happens, right? We, see it far we know too often. lots of agents <laughs> try see to far, drink their problems away. Far too often. Well, I will quote Homer Simpson, alcohol, the cause and solution to all of my problems. Yes. Right. So we want to, you know, I'd rather go to Turks and Caicos. I'd rather go to uh, Cabo or wherever and have that, As the goal. Well, thank you for being here, Daryl. I really appreciate it. And uh, welcome back anytime, for sure. That was another episode of Cut to the Chase with Tim Chase. That was my guest, Daryl Wass with Remax. Tune in next week for another episode. That wraps up another episode of Agent Success Podcast. Remember, you can find new episodes each week at agentsuccesspodcast.com. We hope you found the insights and best practices shared today truly valuable. And if you did, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Remember, your success is a journey of learning and improvement. So let's keep hustling, thriving, and learning. Until next week, this is Tim Chase.